you a healthcare professional who would like to hear from experts in the field of pain care? Or maybe you are caring for a family member who is experiencing pain or health challenges and you would like more information. Perhaps you are a healthcare educator who wants to better inform your students or staff. Then you are in the right place. This is Faces of Pain Care, the show where we interview experts in the field of pain care. And now, the co-creator of the Wong Baker Faces Pain Rating Scale and the executive director of the Wong Baker Faces Foundation, Connie Baker. Welcome to Faces of Pain Care. I'm your host, Connie Baker. I have been looking forward to this interview since I learned about the Conscious Dying Institute several months ago. I've had the great privilege of being present at the bedside of many life transitions from birth to death. In my experience, the transition in death is as beautiful and sacred as the birthing of babies. Unfortunately, our society is trained well for birthing, but not so well for dying. Mm -hmm. The Conscious Dying Institute is changing that. And as they purpose to restore death to its sacred place in the beauty, mystery, and celebration of life, Taryn Estes, our guest today is the founder and director of the Conscious Dying Institute in Boulder, Colorado. She designs and facilitates sacred passage end-of-life doula certificates in the U.S. and Canada, where she has trained and certified over 750 end-of-life doulas since the onset of the Institute in 2013. Doula graduates can further their training through the master's path, becoming Conscious Dying educators. Taryn also offers online and on-site programs called Best Three Months End-of-Life Coaching and Care Planning to hospital staff and clinical professionals, senior care staff, and community residents and faith-based community members. She's a faculty of the Watson Caring Science Institute and adjunct faculty with the University of Colorado School of Nursing co-partners in a 12-week online course in Best Three Months of Life. Conscious Dying, Coaching, and Care. Well, there's a lot more, but rather than hear it from me, <laughs> let's learn from Taryn Estes herself. Oh. Taryn, thank you so much for being with us today. It's such oh, a privilege. Connie, what a what a delight to be with you and to feel your excitement and, um, you know, just to, to share stories with you about how all this comes together and hopefully how we create really a better story for end of life. Uh, I totally agree. Well, thank you for starting this institute. Tell me what, I'm interested to just know what was your inspiration? How did you um, birth this idea of the Conscious Dying Institute? Well, the, the, the seed of it um, came from working with a long-term care company um, in 1998 and I worked with them for about 18 months doing a vision and strategic planning uh, design uh, process for all of their employees in all of the, I don't know, they were, they were in all of the regions of the country. They're, they had 25,000 employees. And so in working with their key focus areas of business, I got to interact with a lot of people in the long-term care community, you know, people completely dedicated to serving folks in nursing homes, basically. And um, in that experience, I noticed nobody was talking about death. 
And it wasn't my job in that particular contract to talk about, you know, to have to bring things up for them to speak into. But I did get to ask questions about what about death? And the comment that was always given back was, uh, we don't, people don't die. That's not what we do. We don't, you know, and having been brought up in a tiny little town from Tennessee where, you know, I was, um, I saw people in nursing homes frequently, my family, you know, my mother's family, my father's family, uh, not too many of them, thank goodness, but we, we, visited nursing homes and I know you go into a nursing home and mostly you die there and I left that contract with a clear mission as as if you know God the great spirit on the spot said to me this is your life's work I want to change the way people are dying in in healthcare, especially nursing homes um and that that was the you know the the my adult kind of inspiration or initiation into how I moved from from there to the Conscious Dying Institute. But um, I feel really fortunate that I was brought up in a tiny little town and working being with a mother who was called. My mother was a, a caregiver. She wasn't a nurse or, you know, she had no medical mm-hmm. training, but it was her uh, purpose mm-hmm. to be with people who were critically ill and dying and people in the small town called her and I was with her when I was little and and just, I grew up with seeing people through, you know, critical illness and death and being a part of uh, funerals and, and the celebration that people went through inside um you know, the after death experiences and the importance of how people shared and, you know, and, and wove stories or, you know, of the person and brought food and, you know, just, there was such a delight really, even though it was a very sad thing, people wouldn't miss going to somebody's funeral for anything. It's a part of the community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I grew up with, you know, just, experiencing death is a part of life right the cell you know a part of the celebration a part of the sadness a part of all of it mm-hmm. yeah wow that's beautiful yeah and then finally after having done lots of created curriculum for different healthcare systems and nurses and healthcare systems over a period of years um i i just realized that it i the only way i was going to be able to do develop the work that I was really called to do was just to start my own organization and go as far as I as I can with it, which mm-hmm. is um, I, I feel really, really, really blessed to have been able to work for almost four years now with the mm-hmm. with the institute delivering these um, facilitating these programs mm-hmm. for end of life doulas. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the essence of the programs that what is it that that you bring to the training that you think really helps people develop into a doula that can really have an impact and influence the the experience at the end of life? Wow, that's a really beautiful question. Um, 
one of the things that I know happens really quickly when we come together through my presence, you know, is just something that I, it's just inside me is that there's a, a an element of trust mm-hmm. that is experienced very, very quickly. And I think because the depth of my understanding of how love moves and how how um, the emotional body opens mm-hmm. and uh, how synchronized people are when they come together in be- simply because they're all called to this work there's there's an element of community that happens really quickly mm-hmm. so there's there's both the experience of the container being really awesome for people to uh, come to you know, commune, mm-hmm. and there is the experience of what I bring as a person who helps people uh, transform personally. Mm-hmm. So I work really well and deeply from the personal to the collective, mm-hmm. and can um, and do that very easily. I think, and just you know, my life experience and the experience that I've had working in, with transformational learning and in organizations uh, and with individuals and families throughout my life is mm-hmm. just, it just, there's a feeling of making it really easy and safe for people to encounter themselves and open up to the reason that they've come there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's important, you know, I, I may know the answer to the, the question, but I'd love to hear from you. What does that getting in touch with their own experience and their own inner um, person, you know, when it comes to dying, what, how does that help them or inform the work that they do as doulas? Mm, Beautiful. Well, that's, that's the key. The key is opening up personally so you can be more of it we can all be more available to suffering happiness joy whatever you know whatever we're the possibilities of life include Mm -hmm. and um my experience of being with people who are dying is that there's a portal of life that opens up for people during that period of time and it includes them going through whatever emotional um, pain and suffering, whatever they need to go through, it's possible for them to enter into that and to complete it or to, you know, or to stay uh, stuck. Mm-hmm. And um, when, we wa- when we walk into a room with someone who's experiencing their own potential death there's a a very huge necessity for our own emotional body to be as able to contain what they're going through what the person who's dying is going through Mm -hmm. as possible if Mm -hmm. our emotional body and our physical body our mind and heart are not worked enough so that we can be available for someone else, mm-hmm. then it makes the transmission of our presence uh, so much less, which is really all there, which is really all there is when we're encountering people is who, who are we? 
you know, and are we able to be in front of, with, stand with, walk mm -hmm. with people? And there's a lot of intensity when people are dying. There's mm -hmm. a lot of intensity uh, in the realm of not speaking about what's going on, you know, the, uh, the uh, un, uns, unspoken feelings that people have and and to be able to be open in our own emotional body and our own mind and heart gives the person that we're with the, the sense that they can talk about what's going on mm -hmm. even if even if we're not as even if a person isn't as capable of using words to ask questions uh -huh. if our emotional body is open and we're just mm -hmm. present it gives it's like the key Mm -hmm. for someone to sense that there's an, a place to, uh, to heal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think that presence is so important anytime we encounter any human <laughs> or any, mm -hmm. any living being, really. And, and it, for me, it seems like it's much more difficult to, um, to get a handle on in our, this age where we're so tied to our electronics and and there seems to be so many interruptions and uh, it's really has to become a practice I think of of being uh, available and present for the person with whom you're communicating yeah whether they're in encountering a, an illness or death or just any aspect of life that's totally true mm -hmm. and that's the, right and the trust factor if, if you're if you're really there with the person um and the person may not seem to be really engaged you know if they're in the active process of dying but but I, my experience has been if, if you're just really present if you're there you are able to engage in a way that um that you would completely miss if you if you were distracted by life you you kind of have to enter into that place and and shed the distractions and just be completely there that's right you know and as as um un uncomfortable and unfortunate as death you know may seem mm -hmm. you know like that 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 someone we love or someone uh we know is is dying i think for all of us to imagine that the potential for completing and fulfilling life is so much more available during this period of time than maybe ever before simply mm -hmm. because we know there's not so much left right you know right well and it's a real important time for family as well yes. so the doulas i'm sure very involved in that aspect and there may be people who are comfortable with the dying process and there may be, be family members who are just very uncomfortable and the, uh, interesting dynamics I'm sure happen at that place. Oh, uh, Connie, there's, I know, you know, you know that that's true. Uh, and, um, the doula is, a, a person during that period of time for the family to lean into, mm -hmm. you know, the doula can observe a myriad of things that are said and not said and needed and and you know they're able to fill the gap for the mm. family in ways that if they're not there the family member is basically just adrift uh, you know mm -hmm. most 
family members haven't been with anyone who's dying before. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want it to happen. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants it to happen. And a lot of energy can be um, siphoned off on trying to prevent you know, the death, mm-hmm. where the doula can actually support the family to encounter it in a way that gives them the valuable quality of life moments and allows the patient to um, complete the, the priorities and the values that they have that are absolutely the most important for them before they die, mm-hmm. which is always around experiences with their family Uh, you know it it you know there's it's a rare thing that someone at the end of their life wants to it's not impossible but it's it's less likely that somebody's going to want to get on their computer and finish an email to someone mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i mean maybe maybe if that's about a, a family experience yes but the things that are the most important are what are you know what's unfinished Mm -hmm. what is my unfinished business Mm -hmm. and and if that patient or that family member doesn't have the kind of support that allows them to focus on that then they can you know their their beloved family member can pass without having those things um without engaging in those things that are the most important right yeah oh what a gift to the family. Well, I, I want to hear about um, the, t- the training for the end-of-life doulas, but I, also just what you're talking about brings up to me the, uh, the concept that you've created called the best three months of life. Mm-hmm. What it, And it sounds like that's kind of like a care plan that people can create for themselves. Is that, do, am I reading that correctly? You, you are. So the best three months is in um, contrast to the worst three months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you could imagine the worst, the last three months could be the worst three months of someone's life, who, of someone who, dis- who gets the diagnosis, I'm dying, and then it's just a travesty, mm-hmm. you know, it can be right. from that moment through the end because mm-hmm. the attention for that life force is going into preventing death or, um, you know, in, in any number of things. So the best three months is a, um, a, a practice of where the doula is taught to inquire about the life priorities of the patient and family in five domains of life, okay. spiritual, emotional, practical after-death care, Mm -hmm. uh, intellectual, or what I call life purpose and review, and physical. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's a beautiful uh, practice that the doulas go through in the training where they have an in-depth inquiry for their own life um, about what they want in five domains. Mm-hmm. And then they practice being coached and coaching someone else in the program to help them talk about what they want, what's the most important as if we have three months to live. Mm-hmm. And then the coaching process helps them identify, um, say, spiritually, if if I am still deeply um, nervous 
and my my emotional body or my nervous system is still all really wound up and I'm just not able to relax, then I might identify a spiritual practice or an emotional practice of needing someone to help me learn to breathe and relax. And that could have been going on my whole life, you know, and if it, if it was, it's going to be going on even more so when I'm dying. Right. So I say, I, before I die, I really, I really want to experience what it's like to be in this body and be deeply relaxed and surrendered. Mm, mm. And so the doula will, would then say, well, where are you at right now with that? Well, I don't have anyone to, to support me to do a practice for, relax, for relaxation. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to get there, I need somebody to be with me and help me do that. Okay. Great. So what could we do to get someone to be with you so that you can do that? And so the process moves from here's my vision Mm -hmm. to looking at my current reality Mm -hmm. and moving from that current reality in a three-month period to fulfilling my desire. Right. Practical steps to to accomplish those goals. Oh, that's right. That's great. And so that 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 creates a care plan Mm -hmm. that isn't about medicine it's not about um treatment it's not a it's not a treatment plan Mm -hmm. but it is a comforting care plan that gives the person someone to be with them so that they know that they're going to get to experience a lot of life fulfillment Mm -hmm. and completion before they die Well, and it sounds like an opportunity for that person and and probably the family as well to just be heard. Oh, yeah. Yes. And which often doesn't happen. That's right. And so it's very intentional, very um, somewhat directed so that they they have the opportunity to think about and and say the things that they might have not otherwise even tried to talk about. Oh, yeah. I had... I have um, one of the doulas in the program um, has a husband who is has a terminal diagnosis, and they have a beautiful have a beautiful relationship. Mm-hmm. And she chose to work. Um, not only do the doulas work with each other, but they are required to work with two people in their family or in their community right. that are not in the program. Mm-hmm. And this particular lovely. Um, person who a doula who was in training chose to work with her husband to do the process with her husband Mm -hmm. and she said we did we learned more about each other in that planning process then you know there were things that we had never told each other or never even thought to ask each other or talk about and she said it became one of the most intimate experiences Mm -hmm. that we'd gone through in years, you know, of, of loving and living together. Wow. Wow. Oh, I'm, I am so excited. I want to do this myself. I've already picked out my people. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) This is wonderful. Well, so tell us more about the, um, about the actual training for the doula and, and, you know, if people are interested in that, how they might, uh, access the, the training themselves. I'd love to. So, um, you know, there there are a myriad of like lots of different courses that are coming up. You know, that people can find these. You know, right now there's a lot of uh, 
end of life training happening. You know, not I mean, not a whole lot, but more than there were a year ago for sure. And the uh-huh. distinction I believe in the program that we're offering, uh, called Sacred Passage, mm-hmm. End of Life Doula Certificate. Um, is very focused on the personal transformation of the person you know, of the of the doula right. like and and the philosophy philosophy of that is that when we receive something that is deeply nourishing to us it's the nature of our heart to give that back right it's it's immediate it's like yeah. people you know like within two hours of being in the course are going oh, i can't wait you right. know to share this right. and it's because their heart has been filled yeah and it's not a it's not prescriptive mm-hmm. so the course isn't like okay one two three four five six do this do that do that it's it's about translating these um activities experiential activities that have given us a way to connect with people and communicate with people and comfort people it's a it's a process of experiencing these activities so deeply in the program that when we leave we translate them on the spot in Mm -hmm. the way that is meant for us to be able to serve So I can say a little bit more about how the the program is, um, you know, the format and the structure of the program. It's an eight-day course, Mm -hmm. and the eight days happen in two phases with a a three-day program in the beginning. And these are all on-site. I'm talking about our on-site program now. Mm -hmm. There's a three-day on-site, and it's called Conscious Dying Practices for Awakening Now. And in, in that particular program, we learn, um, we, we experience ancient practices for death that give us an opportunity to go in and in, in very deeply mm. and uh, feel what it's like to let go mm. um, in, a, in a structure and in a, in a practice that we, most people have never done before. Mm-hmm. So um, we learn uh, ways to connect experiential ways to connect Mm -hmm. and we learn communication practices Mm -hmm. and we learn in phase two to comforting healing care modalities so and community building so there are four c's Mm -hmm. (laughs) connection communication comforting care and community building Mm. and those are always happening but phase two is called the um is is comforting care modalities in five domains of life mm-hmm. spiritual emotional physical practical and life purpose and review mm-hmm. and each of those five days is devoted to one of those domains of life where we um, get to come um, to come back and talk about the practicum mm-hmm. I, I which is the best three months of life there's a practicum between phase one and two mm-hmm. And that's where people go through the process of the best three months of life. And when they come back for phase two, we talk about what they learned about themselves and about the people who they got to work with in that process. And then we uh, engage in one healing modality 
in the five domains of life each day. So day one is spirit. Day two is physical body. Day three is um, the emotion. We do an amazingly um, rich grief ritual, community grief ritual on day three of uh, the five-day course where we get to, you know, work in circle. It's a, it's this, this work is very sacred and circle, you know, we sit in circle, we be in circle together and uh, the grief ritual really brings together a deep um, experience of, of using music and our sounds and our voices and a way of reconnecting with how grief was just such a natural part of our our experience as human beings and how you know how we get back into that as a as a uh, a growth process the grief you know when it's one of my favorite days of the program because um we you know we get to to see again and learn again how it's how possible it is for us to know what to do with people who are grieving deeply mm-hmm. you know and how to how to how to relax enough to just allow someone to let go mm-hmm. without trying to put them all back together and make it all okay and pat them on the back and say things that are just you know so cliche but so like we just don't know what to say we don't mm-hmm. know what to do and we get to reconnect with our humanity and how grief is meant to cleanse the soul and the emotional body and reset our recalibrate you know our humanity right you know if we don't get to do that as human beings when we lose someone that we love Mm -hmm. we never we are never complete right as the people left behind right you know there's something that just it's like a numbing experience and we go on with our life and that place in our heart and our soul that could have opened up mm-hmm. through having people around us who could say this is your time you know th- there's no timeline on this you can go mm-hmm. through this and we're here for you mm-hmm. you know you can you can do whatever you need to do and we've got your back, you know, we've got your front, your middle, your top, mm-hmm. and your back. Mm-hmm. And when we don't get to do that, we lose a lot of the richness of our life. That's true. That's so true. I have a story. Um, we ha- I had a great experience with my spiritual mentor. We had a, we were doing, uh, we had a small meeting at her house one evening several years ago. And the next morning she didn't wake up. And when her daughter, a part of our group, realized that she had, was not responding to phone calls, finally took dinner to her and said, and, and realized that she had not been up. And um, she and her husband found her mother in bed, and she had died. And so they began to call the tribe. We call ourselves the tribe. And uh, before long, 40 of us were there. And we were gathered around uh, Patty's bed and and telling stories and, and really experiencing as a group, as a community, that grief. And it was just palpable. But people, we were making sure also that people had time with Patty as, mm-hmm. as they needed it. Even the next door neighbor came over and we said, would you like to go spend time with Patty? And he, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And then 
and he left and then a few minutes later he came back and he said you know oh. i really do want to do that oh and patty had a um a collection of drums and so we um just it just kind of was very organic we just started a drumming circle mm-hmm. and um and about that time the we had had to call 911 we'd been together for several hours and and the fire department comes in like they're gonna save her you know and, and you know and we said no you don't need that equipment she's been gone for a long time and they said well what took you so long to to call us and my friend said because we knew you would come yeah and it, instead, we had this wonderful time of grieving together. And there were a couple of people in our tribe that couldn't be there. One was out of town, a grandson. And, and he still really misses that he was not there. Oh. So it, what you're describing is so true. I, I think being able to be a part of that grief is, uh, is a part of our community. And it's a part of our own health and it, you know as much yeah. as we celebrate their life we we also need to be a part of of that saying goodbye you know to the extent that we were able so um i i love this oh well so i beautiful. just i would just want to name something about what you you the story you just described you know you patty your your mentor had a had an intact community right right and many Many people in our nation, in our culture right now, are so separated and so dis—you know—they're uh, just—they're just alone mm-hmm. and isolated. Mm-hmm. And a part of what death, the opportunity that this new desire that so many people have on the earth to do death differently—that opportunity actually is—I believe. A, a weaving back together of our humanity and our family system. And I really believe that, Connie, it's a part of the evolution of human consciousness. Mm-hmm. When we learn how to be with death again mm-hmm. and not have that so uh, disjointed and medicalized um, mm-hmm. and in the realm of what is now called futile care, um, then you know, we, we get to take back the, you know, our lives and what's important to us and who is important to us and weave back in, weave that love and family connection and friendship connection back in, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, and it, the, the, the importance of community is, I think at the heart of this and, um, and that doesn't happen the day before you die. You, you, you know, Patty was doing this for decades, and she taught us how to do it. And, yes. And we are doing it with our children, and our children are doing it with their friends. And it is, um, and it takes real intention uh, to be able to be with people uh, through through all of life. I mean, journey really journey through people with people in in community and i just i really it's one of my passions it's a soapbox for me to encourage people to find their community if they're not if they're not a part of a community to begin looking and seeing what would my community look like and who who can i you know i have a a group of cousins and we this is our 40th year i mean of course we've known each other for a lifetime but we've been the cousins for 40 years Mm -hmm. and we are a community 
and to be able to, to create that in your own life so that when a person gets sick or when when you're needing or you have a great celebration like a, a wedding then you've got that community to be able to be your wings and yes. be a part of your life it's it, i just i couldn't do without mine i'll tell you that. oh i love that be be your wings mm-hmm. that's beautiful mm-hmm. um i i i just i want to say something about the evolution of the of this work and the institute and where we are right now and where we're going if we have do we have like a sure please what, um so the 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 structure of the of the work right now the programs are um the institute brings together a ver- you know people from all a variety of different places who come to Boulder or Asheville or Vancouver or Nashville or wherever the, you know, wherever we arrange the events. Mm-hmm. And these people are from all over the place, right? And so, and they've ne- most of them have never met each other before. They go through the training. They're completely opened up and, you know, alive around this work. We support them to do their practice with their business to create the practice of being a doula. Mm -hmm. And they go back into their location and they do what they can do. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are. And where we're going is to bring this work into existing communities. Mm -hmm. So that, like as an example, with a faith-based church membership, Mm -hmm. imagine you know, the number of people that know someone who's beginning to die and imagine the number of people in that community who would like to know what to do and like to know how to help and serve. And imagine that there are people in that community that don't have the financial resources, nor do they have the family resources to die in a good way at home. But if we have doulas Mm -hmm. trained inside the community existing communities and and members know who they are mm-hmm. and that they can call on them to support that that is a huge evolution in how we're currently bringing people to train to be doulas because the members live inside there they can you know there's a there's a natural place mm-hmm a location for people who are trained in the work to exist and to serve. You don't have to figure out where, how am I going to find people to work with because you're already inside a community that can bring, you know, where the person who's needed and the person who can serve can be located really easily. Um, I've had, I've had, and in in healthcare systems and hospitals and hospices and, you know, there's so many, there are, are different community situations and systems that we're identifying now to do this in, and that's where we're headed for 2018. Okay. But this information that I'm telling you and the, and the, the evolution of this has come about in uh, conversations and relationships and talking to people. And a long time ago, when this was just first starting, I had a conversation with one of my dear friends. And... Um, she, she was talking about um, not, you know, like she didn't even know her neighbors. Yeah. And we had this little funny episode of like, what if when you needed someone and she was talking about how awful it was to call 911 and what had happened in seeing her mother 
pass, beginning mm-hmm. to pass when she called 911. And uh, I said, what if we had a 111? And the 111 was hooked up to people in the in your nearby community by zip code or I don't know, you know, like a, a address location. And instead of calling 911, you called 111. Mm. And, um, and that gave you access to someone who knew someone nearby or someone who was a doula, mm. someone who could help you whole space right. and be with your person. Um, because there's there's this huge gap, Connie, between advanced directives mm-hmm. and the kinds of setups that we have right now in supporting people to to have a better death. Mm-hmm. And when we initiate a call, when when our even if we know that our our husband or wife does not want has a DNR, right. do not dis, you know even. If they're about, if they have just had a, a heart attack or a, a crisis in their experiences experiencing an imminent death, mm-hmm. the natural inclination it doesn't matter whether they have a DNR or not. What we want to do, because we don't know how to stay with them, right. and we're scared, right. is to call 911. Right. And it's just it's human, but. That's a part of what has to stop <laughs> in order for and somebody has to be with us who knows how to hold us so that that better kind of dying experience can happen. Right. And that's um, there's there's so much hope and so many beautiful things that we can do much better um, with grace and in a sacred um, celebration celebratory way than we're currently doing it and people want that i agree good news (laughs) i agree people people experiencing the death and and the family members and friends i think people do want that and i am so grateful that you are providing this training and that you are getting the word out to people so i i just invite the listeners to visit your website which is excellent i've read every word of it um, at consciousdyinginstitute.com and all of your contact information is there too so if people want to find out about um, about the programs that you're providing and even about the people that you've trained they can find it on that website that's right and we do have a promotion for your members and your guests oh tell us about that so um we have a special discount for the program for people who are your listeners Mm -hmm. and they can go to the event page on our website uh, for the upcoming boulder and vancouver programs and click on register here which will take them to the registration page and at the very bottom of that page is um, an order form Mm -hmm. and above it says enter promo code here Mm-hmm. And if they enter WBF for Wong Baker Faces, mm-hmm. uh, the page will refresh and there will be a special um, discount of, I believe it's almost $500 wow. for the program. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, thank yeah. you. That's very and, generous. Oh, if, oh, we'd love to support really love to support people to be able to do the program yeah well i hope people will take advantage of that that that's a great gift um good well anything else you'd like to add before we go i just i think i could talk uh, to you forever 
Well, I would just say if there are people like listening to the program and you feel this is resonating with you, the call to serve at end of life, even if you it doesn't make sense and you haven't, um, even if you've never been with someone who's passed, but it's mm-hmm. something that's been in your heart for a long time to just really trust that, you know, and we, we all really know what to do. And even if you never do a doula training, mm-hmm. you know, just find ways to talk about that that's what you love and that you're available to be with people. You know, if you just let people know that you pass in the grocery store or that you, you know, when you're in the, the shopping line and you're talking to people about what's going on in your life, to let people know you're available to support people who are dying. Mm-hmm. And uh, start your practice. You know, mm-hmm. you, the only way we can really know more about what we already know how to do is to show up for people that's for sure (laughs) yeah yeah that's great showing up is the best part first part for sure well good well thank you taryn estes for being part of faces of pain care you're a beautiful person um I invite people to go to visit your website again at consciousdyinginstitute.com to learn more about what um what you all are doing and then on your our episode page we'll have the information too about how the pro how to enter the promo code and how people can access that training listeners we would love to hear from you please visit our website at wongbakerfaces.org or email us at wongbakerfaces at gmail.com thank you for joining us today and thank you again taryn for your time And thank you for making a positive difference in someone's life. Oh, Connie, thank you. This has been another great episode of Faces of Pain Care. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss any of the new episodes. And be sure you check our previous shows for more information that will keep you informed and inspired.